In today's show, we're looking back at the 2020-2021 regular season, fantasy season for the Atlanta Hawks. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Well, here, time to do the Atlanta Hawks season review. Yes, they are still alive. It is two games all in the Eastern Conference Finals at the time of me recording this. Yanni Antetokounmpo is probably not going to play in Game 5. I don't know if Trey Young's going to play in Game 5, but the Hawks are still going. But we're here just talking about the fantasy value of these guys over the last year and what maybe that means as we move forward. So before we get into it, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. So let's start by talking about these Atlanta Hawks. 41 and 31, finishes the five seed in the Eastern Conference. Five-game victory over the Knicks. Yep, that was fine. Big big seven-game victory over the Philadelphia 76ers. Really amazing stuff for them to get that win. Um, they made a lot of moves in the offseason. They dealt with a lot of injuries, and it did end up paying off. Now, I was skeptical about some of the moves in terms of how you fit all the pieces together. How do you keep everybody happy? But the fact that everyone got injured, they didn't have to really cross that bridge. You know, I was wondering, how does Reddish and Hunter and Bogdanovich and Gallinari and Herder, how do they all get enough minutes? Well, it turns out they get enough minutes when Reddish plays 30 games and Hunter plays 20 games and Gallinari plays 40 games and and everyone gets hurt, basically. And then, you know, so that's, that's how you play them all their minutes. So what happens if everyone does stay healthy in the future? I still have no idea. But this season, that wasn't a problem. Eighth best offense and 21st best defense. And having the 21st best defense on this team is a huge, huge credit to both Lloyd Pierce, uh, to Nate McMillan, uh, and to Clint Capella, who I think really was the, the driving force behind that. And I think we also have to mention that Lloyd Pierce coached this team, got fired, and then Nate McMillan came in. Now, I think there's some fortuitous timing there because Pierce was coaching and losing games when everybody was hurt and they started to trickle back when McMillan took over. But McMillan obviously has done a significantly better job than Lloyd Pierce. And uh, hey, the story hasn't even finished being written yet for the Hawks. Uh, they have picked 20 and picked 48 in the upcoming draft. They were the 23rd team in terms of pace during the season as well. Let's look at free agency for them. Lou Williams, who they acquired in a trade for Rajon Rondo, he is an unrestricted free agent. He started game four in the Eastern Conference Finals, put up some good numbers, but overall, he doesn't look like the same Lou Williams. Um, Solomon Hill and Tony Snell are both unrestricted free agents. They played sizable roles this year. Injuries uh, limited Snell's game, but his shooting was great. Um, Whether they are regular rotation pieces or not, they probably aren't. I doubt that Hill is back personally. John Collins is probably the biggest story. He's a restricted free agent. You would think that his offers and market would be suppressed given the season he had. I do think that Atlanta would like to bring him back. Probably not at $24 million a year, but they would like to bring him back. But he he is a significant chance to move, although I do think that unless he gets absolutely top-level maxed, the Hawks will match. 
Brandon Goodwin's a restricted free agent. I thought he showed some flashes, but you could always use an upgrade there. And then Chris Dunn has a player option who we really just didn't see Chris Dunn play at all. So he will almost undoubtedly pick up that player option and then still probably not be a part of the rotation next year. Maybe he does. Maybe he surprises us and is actually a part of the uh, of the rotation next season. Guys, the Atlanta Hawks, like the ultra moment, we do the ultra moment of the season. It has to be the fact that this team won that game seven over the Philadelphia 76ers in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Like for this team to come from where they've been, to be the underdog and upset the one seed in a game seven on the road. Like it's a huge, huge moment. And I know that, look, hey, maybe they have more ultra moments after this, winning the Eastern Conference Finals, winning the NBA championship. Who knows? But at this point, Hawks fans getting so much joy, so much happiness out of this team. And with Mikola Boltra, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. 2.6 grams of carbs, 95 calories only. Joy creates success, and that joy with the Hawks has brought that success on. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It is the whole game. So your ultra moment is the Atlanta Hawks beating the Philadelphia 76ers in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Semifinals. Okay, let's talk players. Let's start with Trey Young. He played 63 games, almost 34 minutes per game this year. He averaged 43 fantasy points, 25, 4, and 9.5 and overall, 2.23s, 0.8 steals, 44 and 80, 89 from the line. Now, the 89 from the line on huge volume is excellent. The assists are excellent, but there are a few things that are a bit disappointing. Now, he had an ADP of 10. I thought for sure he was a first-round pick. Yes, there was the addition of um, Gallinari, the addition of Bogdan Bogdanovic, you go, okay, well, Trey's going to lose out on usage, right? That was that was the fear. And his usage did drop. It went from 36 down to 32. But that wasn't the, the main reason why he wasn't able to live up to that top 10 pick. He's down to, at, at 23rd. The steals went from 1.1, which is an okay number, but not a great number. And it went down to 0.8, which is a bad number. Like as a, as a guard, that's it's quite a poor number. He also shot just 44% from the field, which is basically exactly the same as where he was last year. And again, this is one of those fallacies that gets brought up. Well, there's better players around him now. He'll be able to lower his usage and up his efficiency. And it just isn't something that happens. He also shot worse from three. His 36% three-point shooting went down to 34%. And Trey Young is this great three-point shooter, but he's not a great three-point shooter, if that makes sense. Like we have this reputation, Trey's a bomber, but he only hit two threes a game. And he only did it at 34%. And this is not, you know, hitting three and a half a game. This is not hitting them at 40%. So while he is very, very dangerous as a shooter and as a scorer, um, the percentages haven't lined up to that. And the volume hasn't lined up to that. He do- he gets his offense in uh, different ways than you may expect. We also saw Trey lose some rebounding, which I guess was to be expected with Capella back. But that interesting th- part there of him going down from 30, you know, from 30 points to game down to 26, but 3.4 threes down to 2.3. He took fewer, th- way fewer threes this game, which is not something I saw coming. He took 9.5 three-pointers last season per game. He went down to just 6.3. Uh, 6. That's a 33% drop in your three-point attempt, right? And that basically, that along with, and that impacts your scoring rate as well. And he hit one fewer three per game. So that's you know, 25 points to 28 points. That that along with the dip in usage, um, the dip in steals, that's why he wasn't able to finish 10th. He finished 23rd. Because last season, he was the seventh-ranked player. 
So there is still hope for me that he comes back into first round calculations next season. Those threes go back up to three per game. You get back to 28 points per game. You get a steal per game. And you're right back in that 12 to 16 range. And I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's an outrageous concept to think that Trey Young can hit three threes a game and start to hit them at a uh, at a higher clip. Passing, he's one of the best passers in the NBA. He's one of the best point guards in the NBA. He's one of the best scorers in the NBA. He's one of the worst defenders in the NBA. We know that. Um, but high usage guy that thrives in that scenario. Great one on one. Great shooter. Great playmaker. All that stuff works in his favor. Defensively, LeBron absolutely hated him. First percentile. But yeah, the fact that he's so good offensively leaves him 94th overall. The same goes with Raptor, 85th overall, 85th percentile versus 9th on defense. We know his true shooting was excellent, 59%. That's good because of his free throws. Pick and roll ball handler, fantastic stuff. But there's a few issues here. Like, you know, obviously not a post guy, not a dump off guy, but transition, points per possession, 0.91. That's really bad. Only 1.04 in spot-ups, and he doesn't take many spot-ups, but you'd hope you do a little bit better there. And there's room for improvement in his off-screen game. Just one point per possession. Again, this is not what he does. He's an isolation guy. He's a pick-and-roll ball handler, and he does all that stuff extraordinarily well. He's been, He was awesome, but a little bit disappointing for a fantasy perspective in some areas. I think that's fair to say. This next guy was a uh, sheaf. A surprise, to be sure, but a welcome one. Yeah. I was somewhat doubtful of the season Clint Capella was going to have. I said, I don't think, well, for a start off, to end into the year, his Achilles injury flared up again. He had this heel problem. And, oh, shit. Is he going to be hurt again? I was worried about what they were going to do. Gallinari, Collins, and Capella. Did that mean that Clint wouldn't play his 34 minutes a night that he played in Houston? Well, I was actually right about that because he only played 30 minutes a night. Um, and I thought that you know, having Collins around there, maybe they limit Capella to 28 minutes a night and, and really his value would drop. But it was awesome. Like he was great this year. 15 and 14, two blocks, 60 from the field and 57 from the line. Like there's some great numbers there. 39th in category leagues in a punt scenario. You're talking top 25, 27th in points leagues at 41 points per game. Like he was just really, really excellent this season. And we compare that to where he was last year. He actually scored more points in fewer minutes. His usage slightly went up. His rebound rate was higher, but overall rebounds the same. His block rate was higher, but overall blocks the same. His field goal percentage did drop down, which is a little bit surprising. His assist rate was absolutely non-existent. But he was basically the same sort of the same sort of player that he was the year before, just in fewer minutes. I, I thought he was very impressive defensively. Um, Capella is only 27. I do think that he is going to suffer a drop-off earlier than you might expect. I think the injuries that he seems to commonly have, the fact that he seems to thrive more in like a 31-minute role, the, the presence of Anyeka Okongwu there, the fact that his game is built on okay rebounds, blocks, and field goals when you're not getting threes, assists, steals, bad free throws, and low scoring. I think there might be a ceiling on how many top 50 seasons he can have. Maybe it's one or two more. And then he goes to being like a 90, almost a similar trajectory to say like a Marcin Gortat, who had that couple of you know, strong top 50 years and then it dropped off. I do feel that Capella could be a guy like that. So when you're looking at it from a dynasty perspective, I would bear that in mind. 
Let's have a look at some of his other numbers uh, up on the screen here. As I said, he's 27. He's a great rebounder. We know that. A great pick and roll uh, player uh, with his gravity pick and roll wise. Defensively, I thought he was amazing this season. Like He can't defend many positions. He can do some switching, but he was really, really strong um, defensively this year. Not a surprise, but yeah, he, he was yeah, in my top three defensive player of the year. His advanced metrics were th- absolutely through the roof. Like plus 3.4, LeBron is 96th percentile. Plus 6.5, Raptor is an astonishingly big number. Uh, RPM even loved him as well. And yeah, transition work, pick and roll roll man as an 87th percentile, a really efficient scorer. But you look at his fantasy profile, it's about rebounds. It's about blocks. He scores okay. And then everything else is lacking. The field goal percentage is also pretty awesome, but we know the free throws are an issue. And I, I just do think there is somewhat of a limited shelf life into where Capella sits um, moving forward for Dynasty formats. Let's talk about the Baptist, John Collins. This one was the easiest bust to pick. I thought he started off with an ADP of around 12, which was clear insanity. It did fade out to 19. But yeah, I had him in like the 30s or 40s, I believe. And even that, I was too high on him. Amazingly, Capella, Collins, and Trey Young all played 63 games each. He only played 29 minutes a game. He averaged 32 fantasy points down to 72nd in points leagues. And he was 62nd in category leagues. His best category was his field goals. His worst was his steals. And his steal rate has been all over the place in his career. Um, But never had a season this poor with steals. His block rate, you know, predictably fell. You're playing next to Clint Capella. His rebounds absolutely disappeared. You're playing next to Clint Capella. His scoring and usage fell down. You're playing next to Bogdan Bogdanovich, Danilo Gallinari, even Clint Capella, DeAndre Hunter's ascension. Like all, everything fell. He went from averaging 22 and 10 to to um, what did he average? Uh, 17 and seven with a block. The he's. A really solid shooter, 40% from three, 83 from the line. Like there's a lot to build on here. And if he does go to another team, I'll be more than happy to draft him in the second round. Because if he gets back to 33 minutes a night, 20 and 10 with stellar percentages over a block per game, maybe two threes per game, it's a distinct possibility. But this situation was never set up to be good for him. And you know, you're obviously burnt if that happens. So there is a real buy-low opportunity for Collins. Now, there is a risk that he stays in Atlanta. And yeah, his value continues to be yeah, somewhat plateaued. But he's not even 24 yet. There is still room for him to grow and become more of a higher volume three-point shooter because he's shooting them well. He just doesn't take a huge amount of them, which is something that probably does need to be changed. But yeah, really, really good post player, pick and roll guy. Finishes at a huge level, great rebounder, very athletic. People call me a John Collins hater, which you could not be further from the truth because I've been pumping this guy up for years and years and years. It's just being realistic about the role and how a team views him, how a team values him, and then what his apparent fantasy value is. And again, I think we all were pretty right if we avoided him. But if he moves to another team where they go, you're going to play half your minutes at center, you'll play 34 minutes and aren't you the second offensive option, then he's back inside the top 30, like without any doubt at all in my mind. And he is still really, really young and there is room for his game to grow. The advanced metrics still really liked him. He was very effective this season. He was really good. He still has some issues defensively. He's not horrible, but he's not great. But offensively, the efficiency, look at all those numbers. Look at all those blue A's for A grades in the ball handling, spot ups, roll man, post up, isolation, 
Putbacks he's excellent at. Really good fantasy play. Can block shots, can get rebounds, can hit threes, can score. The advanced metrics loved him in right across the board. He is still really good. So there is a bit of a buy-low opportunity, I think, happening now for John Collins on the back of this season, which was a little bit poor. Now, our playoff coverage across the Locked On NBA Network is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's the road to the finals. And the Hawks and John Collins are still alive. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. At 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Let's enjoy Bogdan Bogdanovich, also one of my very very favorite players in the NBA, who was in a shit situation in Sacramento, and they refused to utilize him correctly, as I've said for years and years and years. And then he comes into Atlanta, and I go, that's a little bit of a crowded scenario. I think he's better than Hunter and Reddish and Herder, and he should play those minutes, but will he? That was the question we had. And at the start of the season, he didn't. He was in a limited role, and then he hurt his knee on a very ugly injury. Then he came back and he went absolutely bonkers for about three months where he was like a top 30 player. He went out of his mind. He started over Herder. He got all the minutes. There was no Hunter and Reddish, but he was better than them. He was unbelievable. And he therefore had the best fantasy season of his career. Only 44 games and under 30 minutes. So there's room to grow here. 29 fantasy points, 64th in categories, 94th in points leagues. He hit over three threes per game. Three, over three threes. He had 16 points, 3.3 triples, 3.3 assists with a steal, 47 and 91 on 44%. So while I say, hey, he can get better because he can play more than 30 minutes, the 44% three-point shooting makes me go, yeah, maybe. Maybe there's a dip. 62% true shooting. He is already 29. And the knee problems, which he has had some persistent knee problems the last couple of years, is worrisome. And a lot of some of his, you know, my perceived upside value in him was getting a lot of assists. And that wasn't really here this year. It did drop off from where it was in Sacramento. But we saw more playing time, higher usage, and way higher efficiency. Now, the efficiency has dropped off as he's injured again in the playoffs. He's shooting like 30% or something from three in the playoffs, some pretty poor numbers. But overall, he was excellent. There is an overdraft risk there because if Reddish and Hunter are healthy, and Bogdanovich doesn't shoot at 44%, then maybe we just don't see the same thing out of him. But I really, really like him as a player. He's probably only got another one or two years to have a crack at the top 50, given his age and the structure of this Hawks roster. But he was so impressive this season when he came back from injury as a shooter, as a mover. Defensively, he has some problems. We're we're all well aware of that. Um, They're not horrible numbers. I think his role can scale a little bit too. If Trey Young goes down, put the ball in Bogdan's hands, give him 30% uses, let him run an offense. I don't think that's an outrageous thing to do. The advanced stuff really loved his offense on LeBron, on Raptor. Raptor actually really loved his overall play, and he was super efficient as a scorer. We know that. Good threes, good points, solid assists, solid steals. Not a guy that's ever going to be a top 30 or top 40 player, but can probably crack a top 50 in a 32-minute role. I do really worry, though, about where his knee sits, Um, and that's going to be a a consistent theme as we get to the next player as well. I I worry about that and the fact that he's 29 and the way this Hawks roster is currently structured. Guys, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all of the parts that you need. Why would you endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer? You have a computer. Why would you let them choose only the brand that their warehouse happens to carry? 
Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even new carpet. Go and explore the easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Time to talk about DeAndre Hunter. Now, I spoke to Hawks people in the off-season and I said, what, what's going to happen? Like, how do we fit all these wings in? Yeah, who's in, who's out? And they went, eh, I think they're a little bit lower on DeAndre Hunter. So with Bogdanovich and Gallinari and Reddish and even Herder, yeah, there's a chance that Hunter is like the 10th man or 11th man in this rotation. I went, all right, that's pretty wild for the fourth overall pick, but they weren't particularly impressed with him as a rookie. And then he came out and went bananas. Like he had an unbelievable start to the season and then it went bad because he hurt his knee and ended up playing 23 games, hurt his knee, came back, hurt his knee again, came back, hurt his knee again. Uh, Yeah, that is absolutely not great. Only played under 30 minutes a night, 26 points, ended up 111th, but that is skewed because the minutes dropped down. But to begin this season, he was hitting every shot in the world. His free throw percentage went through the roof. He went from a guy that was at 41 and 76, true shooting 52 as a rookie, to a bloke that was at 59 this year, took his free throws up eight percentage points, his field goal percentage up six percentage points. Overall, his threes actually did drop because the, the back end of his season when he came back from injury, he just couldn't do anything. And the fact is, basically, he played 23 games. Maybe we're talking like an 18-game sample of him being unbelievable. And then as he came back, it started to drop off. I am not convinced that DeAndre Hunter is this 49, 86, 87% shooter, which is what he was before the injury, on high usage. I am not convinced. He still is a very low steals and very low blocks guy. And part of the you know, appeal of him coming out of college, oh, he's a ready-made defender who's going to hit 40% of his threes and doesn't provide defensive stats, doesn't hit threes at that rate. What he was able to do this year to become good is well, all of a sudden, I want the, the usage is going up and I'm never missing a shot. That's basically the story of DeAndre Hunter's season. And, and I don't know that I buy that. I know, don't know that I buy him as a player who, well, you are our second offensive option. You are going to come out with a 62 true shooting for a season and be the most efficient, difficult shot maker on the team. I just don't buy that yet. We have seen so little sample size of it. There are going to be people who look at him and go, all right, you know, all right, future star, top 40 upside. I am not one of those people. Um, maybe that's you know, my preconceived notion of him coming out of college and what I saw from him in his rookie season versus a 18-game hot streak to begin the year. And the fact that he's now had three situations with his knee is absolutely worrying. I think he's a really good defender, right? I think he's got some offensive improvement in him. And I think that some of his scoring and, and, and shooting, there is some level of that being real. But to the degree that it was at, and I'm not even convinced that he can keep his free throws as high as they were because when he came back, yeah, he was hitting him at 77%. And while that doesn't seem bad, like he was at 76 as a rookie, yeah, being 85% versus 77 is a big difference. 
So I'm not 100% convinced that he is the guy that we saw to begin this year. Some of these shooting numbers here, like post-up numbers, they're all pretty good. But the fantasy numbers per possession, they're a little bit rough. And even the advanced stuff doesn't love him. Now, Raptor does like him because they love his defense, but the other metrics aren't as high. I don't know. Maybe, am I, tell me what you think. Am I being stubborn with DeAndre Hunter? I'm just refusing to buy into 18 games or 15 games. He played 23 overall, but some of those was coming back from the injury. I, I'm not, I don't buy into all of that. And I'd be happy to draft him outside the top 100 next year, but I get the feeling that he's going to go in like the 60s or 70s. And, and I'm not sure that that's a gamble I'm willing to take. Um, let's talk about old Fanta Pants. Kevin Herter, who is only 22. He's about to turn 23 in a couple of months. He's not particularly old, but was really in a position where he was losing a lot of his value. He ended up playing 31 minutes a night this season. Almost cracked the top 100 in category leagues. Oh, sorry, top 120. 141st in points leagues, 24 fantasy points. He averaged 12 points with two threes, three and a half assists, 1.2 steals, 43 and 78. Hit 36% of his threes, and they're totally adequate numbers. But he was basically last man standing. Bogdanovich was out. Hunter was out. Reddish was out. Gallinari was out. Snell was out. Dunn was out. So they had to play him. And when he had those opportunities, he, he did okay. I wouldn't say that he was fantastically good. And when Hunter is back next season, when Reddish is healthy, what's his role? 22 minutes? He's had some pretty strong moments in the playoffs, Kevin Herter. He's played well. But will the Hawks prioritize him over Reddish? They should. But will they prioritize him over Reddish? Bogdanovich? Hunter? You can't make an argument that he gets prioritized over two of those three players, I don't believe. And that's going to cause a, a real issue. Now, look again. He's a guy that profiles as this great shooter. The last few games in the playoffs, is at like 28%. He only hit 36% of his threes. He does have some passing ability for sure, but... Again, I just don't know how he gets used enough for that to be a consistent theme for him fantasy-wise. I, I just I don't know how it's possible. Um, steal rate was pretty good. I still don't think he's a particularly good defender. Good, decent passer. He's a very valuable player, a very valuable piece, but I don't think he's a guy that you want being pushed up to you know, 30 minutes a night on the regular, which he did this season. I reckon that drops fairly precipitously next season. I think that's I think that's fair. Um, the advanced stuff, again, not super high on him. 65th percentile on LeBron. Yeah, they didn't rate his defense too high. Same with Raptor. His shooting efficiency for a, for a shooter is not particularly good. He had some nice post-up numbers and isolation numbers, but that's not his role. His role should be as a, a you know, somewhat pick-and-roll ball handler, as a spot-up guy, and he wasn't particularly good there. And for fantasy, it's just getting out-of-position assists, scoring and hitting some threes. I just, I really, really have my doubts about what his role is next season. Hands off my cock! Ah, yes. The Italian cock. Danilo Gallinari, or Danilo Gallinari. 51 games, 24 minutes a game. The ADP, I don't know if his ADP at 76 was more insane than John Collins at 19 or less, but they were both absolutely, can you stay, kids, cover your ears, stay right the fuck away because it made no sense to draft him in that spot. And obviously, he finished 148th in category leagues and 168th in points leagues, averaging 22 fantasy points. 
Gallinari is fine at what he does. He's 33 years of age. He averaged 13 points, two threes, four rebounds, 0.6 steals, 43, and a stellar 93 from the line. He hit 41% of his threes. He had these occasional hot game where he hit like seven or eight threes and then fall way off. He was a stream guy for threes and scoring, and that's it. And unless he's in a role where he's getting 32, 33 minutes a night, I don't know how you can rely upon him. Now, the year before for the Clippers, uh, sorry, not for the Clippers, for the, the Thunder, he played 30 minutes a night. He was the 74th ranked player and averaged 19 points on 25 usage. And people obviously just expected him to do the same thing, which is insane going to this Hawks team that he'd maintain the same usage and the same minutes. There was no way. And obviously there was no way because it didn't happen. And at his age, he'll be back on this Hawks team again. He's 33. His role may shrink. It might stay the same. But he's going to be a non-draftable player, in my opinion, as we move forward in his career. Still can be a valuable contributor. Defensively, there's issues, we know. But yeah, still probably just a, non, um, a non-draftable a non entity, NDE. Are we going to start using that term? I don't know. I just invented it. Um, yeah, who can be a good scorer? And I'm not really sure what else he does. Well, that's a good spacer, good scorer. More of a, absolutely a four more than a three. He is playing some three in the playoffs at the moment. The advanced stuff was okay with him. Hated his defense, liked his offense. The scoring efficiency really strong. His free throws are excellent. His three-pointers are excellent. But overall from fantasy, he just needs to higher usage, higher minutes. And I just don't see how that's going to come for him this season. Let's talk about Cam Reddish, who the Hawks were incredibly high on. And I would say he disappointed them and let them down. And then the Achilles injury. Now he's back in the playoffs. He ended up playing just 50, so 26 games, 29 minutes apiece, 11 points, four rebounds, 1.3 steals, and again, horrendous shooting. 37 from, three, uh, from the field and 26 from two. 82 from the line is encouraging. And he gets to the line at not a bad level, pretty good level. In fact, three free throw attempts per game. And his game can be fantasy-friendly with steals, with threes, with free throws. Like, that can be good. But the fact that he's just so, so bad as a shooter is a real concern. And he shows some flashes of being a playmaker, but he's just never going to have the ball in his hands enough for that to be an impact. And with Bogdanovich and Hunter, he's just not going to get... Even the 29 minutes a night he got here, Reddish and Herder will be splitting those backup minutes, I would assume. I just don't see him getting this much playing time. He is... You're just so poor with that shot that it does, I think, really limit where he goes from here. He's young, of course. He's about to turn 22. Like He's very, very young. So he's not someone that we're writing off. But you know, he's not this upper echelon, high-level starter, caliber player just waiting in the wings to go off, I don't think. Defensively, I really like what he does. He can be a good mover. He can be a solid passer. But defensively is really where he brings it. But it doesn't always result in great fantasy numbers. Now, the steals are great, but everything else is bad. And the advanced metrics, they didn't even like his defense, to be honest. LeBron and Raptor weren't that high. And the shooting is just horrendous. Now, apart from his cut numbers, which were really good, low volume, but spot up, pick and roll, ball handler. Like he's just, he's not a good shooter. True shooting of under 49% is actually disgustingly bad. I think he can improve from there. Look, it'd be hard not to improve, but I do think he can improve from there. But my faith in him ever being a top 40 guy, I don't have it. Top 100, maybe on the back of steals, threes, and free throws. 
if he's pushed into a larger role. But at this point, that larger role does seem like it's just a little bit of distance away. Let's talk Lou Williams, who it feels like he's uh, on the way out here. He's 34 and a half. He did have a great game in game four of the Eastern Conference Finals, no doubt about that. But only 22 minutes a night this year, 11 points, two rebounds, only one three per game. That's bad. Only 2.6 free throw attempts. That's really where his value used to be, is getting to the line a ton and hitting them at a high level. Um, yeah, 252nd in category leagues. He was somehow drafted 126, which didn't make a ton of sense either. Great getting to the line, but nothing else is really there for Lou. And I wouldn't think the Hawks would love to go into next season as him being their primary backup point guard. He can fill in in a pinch, and he can be an okay scorer off the bench. But again, you'll have Reddish and Herder most likely coming off that bench. And then where Williams fits in there is still remains to be seen. I'm not sure that they'd be you know, highly prioritizing him or, or looking for big um, big money to bring him back, but can be a guy that carries the load offensively. We know that. Not a bad passer. Pretty good shooter, but we'd like him to take a few more of those three-point shots. I just don't really know, you know when this is going to happen. And the advanced stuff thought he was shit-ass this season. Some of his scoring, pretty good. We can see some of those yeah, bright blue numbers. And yeah, some of his fantasy stats are okay on a per-possession basis. But I just don't see how he moves into a role that's large enough for that to make sense. Let's talk about my man, Tone Snell. Snell, one of the worst pound-for-pound per-minute fantasy producers in the entire NBA. Uh, started this season injured. Worked his way into the rotation with a lot of people hurt. Had a pretty all right year. 21 minutes a night. Only five points because he is painstakingly low usage, 8% usage. Five points, two rebounds, one assist. Point three, he used to be a three and D guy. Like, I oh, get steals and hits threes. Point three steals. Jesus Christ. But 52% from the field. 100% from the free throw line. Now, he took 0.2 attempts per game, but he never missed one. And 57% from three. 57. A 50, 50, 100 year from Tony Snell. Literally one of the best shooting seasons you will ever see on, of course, very, very low volume. He still hasn't missed a three in the playoffs. And he's still hitting, including playoffs, 53% from deep. Sorry, has missed a free throw. He's still hitting 53% from three overall. But he's basically out of the rotation because it's all well and good to be that level of shooter. You are providing nothing else and you're just not shooting it enough. As a stopgap guy, sure, but you're just not doing enough. Those shooting numbers are insane and he's always been a great shooter. But he does offensively, he does nothing else. Defensively, he's pretty good, but even that ability to generate steals for him is way off. Like, he's just not doing it anymore, but can defend multiple positions. Look at these usage rate numbers. 8.6, 2.6% true usage, 12.4% offensive load, which is in the second percentile. Like, they are horrendous numbers. He just never used it. The advanced metrics hated him. LeBron, negative 3.5. He was negative 1.9 Raptor. RPM hated him too. Efficiency through the roof, but nothing else. Like, he was a spot-up guy, absolute king at spot-ups. 1.61 points per possession. That's great. Now, he didn't really take many of them, but that's excellent. But he is so one-note that you know, he's, is his overall value enough? 
and he's never going to be a fantasy. I'm telling you, he would never be a top 250 player again, if he ever has been. I'm not even sure. I'm excited about this bloke, though. Onyeka Okongwu. Took a while for him to get in with a toe injury. Um, Lloyd Pierce and Nate McMillan weren't overly keen on um, on giving him big minutes, and he played just 12 minutes a game across his 50 games. 12 fantasy points, 343rd in category leagues. But that's not the story with Okongwu. It's not, not looking at those numbers and going, look how good they are. Four and a half points and three rebounds in 12 minutes. That's pretty yuck. That's nothing good there, is it? But he's 20. He had 0.7 steals. He shot 64 from the field. He had 0.5 steals. I thought he played really well. If we look at those numbers per 36, 13 and 10 with 1.4 steals and 2.2 blocks. Uh, I'm pretty happy with those numbers. But what I've seen from him holding up in the playoffs at a high level as a backup has me very excited. Now, you know that I was high on him before the draft. I had him ahead of James Wiseman as a prospect. I had him as the number three player in the draft. If I had to do a redraft, which I am doing in in a few days' time, he's still going to go ahead of James Wiseman. I think he is absolutely a starting caliber center waiting to happen with some Bam out of bioness to him, probably with less passing though, so not as good as Bam, and absolutely can be a top 60, top 50 player in three years' time. And I think when Capella drops off in two years' time, a Kongwu steps in, Plays 32 minutes a night, averages 14 and 13 with two blocks on 64%, maybe hits 75% from the line, maybe develops a three and can develop some level of passing. I am really, really big on what Anyeka Okongwu can do moving forward. And I think his play in the playoffs has given you some indication of why I am. Now, the advanced numbers don't particularly love him. Defensively on LeBron, no, really big number there. And Raptor defensively is all right. And for a rookie, I'll take that. I am really big on where he goes moving forward. And yeah, so high efficiency early on. Pick and roll, roll man numbers good. Post up numbers good. He's a good finisher. That is what he needs to do. And I think that's what he'll continue to do. I'm really high on him. Solomon Hill played 21 minutes a game, played almost every game, 71 games, which honestly, that just shows you how injured the Hawks were because he realistically should not be playing that amount of games. Hill is uh, 30, amazingly only 30. I feel like he's been 30 for 40, 40 years. I know if not 40 years, but at least in that last four years, he's been 30. Uh, Four points, three rebounds, 0.7 steals, shot horribly, um, maybe finds his way into an NBA roster next season. Maybe he doesn't. I think that what he did this year is going to be high watermark for the rest of his career. He he won't top this for the rest of his career Um, and probably played way too much this season. Can be a really good defender, but offensively, much like Tony Snell, uh, he's a non-factor, and then he's uh, yeah a, a poor shooter to, to go along with that. The advanced stuff, hated him. Offensively, didn't love him. He can get some steals at times. He hit some threes at times, but overall, he's just not a uh, not a guy we want to rely upon. And lastly, we're going to cover a couple of young guys. Skylar Mays, second-round pick, played eight minutes a game in his 33 games. Average seven fantasy points. I just thought when he was out there, when he was pressed into extra action, that he did put up some okay performances. Like nothing spectacular. He is about to turn 24, so he's a bit older as a rookie. But as a guy that can be a 10th man, that can slide in, say, when Lou Williams isn't on this team as being your third guard, I do think there is at least something there with Mays to go, well, he's not completely overawed out there. I thought he defended pretty well. He showed some passing ability. You know, all that was okay. 
the advanced stuff actually sort of liked him. Raptor and LeBron had him at a pretty high rate. He had some okay scoring numbers. I think that as a second round pick, he exceeded his expectations and was able to you know, play pretty well out there. And I think that's at least something worth uh, mentioning. And this last guy absolutely came from nowhere. Nighter, the dark knight, Nathan Knight. The big fella, 33 games, eight minutes. But when injuries were happening and Collins was out and Capella was out and they had to put him in for big minutes, he was amazing. I thought that he put up some really good numbers. Now, of course, he just faded into obscurity, but he's already ahead of Bruno Fernando, clearly. And yeah, he has some value. Is he a long-term, perhaps, backup to Onyeka Okongwu? 4.2 rebounds, 0.3 blocks. He ended up shooting just 37%. He is quite a high usage player, but he had some astonishingly good games. A 13 and 10 game against the Rockets with two blocks. He had a 16 and 9 with two blocks against the Cavs. A 15 and 3 in 22 minutes against the Rockets again. Some really, really big performances where he comes off and has some really nice scoring performances, big nighter. Um, Just enough for me to go, he can be a player that at least somewhat sticks in the NBA. Defended all right, rebounded all right. As a finisher, super athletic, was it was impressive. And I just thought did enough to at least hang around. And for deeper leagues, you, you want to be able to pay some attention to that. I'm not going to talk about guys like Chris Dunn, you know, who played four games back here in the regular season. He's never, he shot 8%. He's not going to be a guy that I think finds himself in that role he was for Chicago two years ago. I think the ankle's a real problem and the lack of shooting and lack of dribbling and lack of passing is an issue. He could be much better than this, and he's probably going to be back in Atlanta next year, but he just won't have a role. And there's Brandon Goodwin and Bruno Fernando on this team too. Guys, that'll do it for me. Don't forget to follow along. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app while on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Drop your like and notification bell and subscribe down the bottom. Leave your comments. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.